Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to invest in yourself and tune in today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you're one or more of the above, and I suspect that if you're listening to the Business Creators Radio Show today, you're one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show on iTunes or click the big button in the sidebar of our website. Now, one of the big questions that we get from business creators is how to build leverage, how to build a team, how to outsource, how to function at the intersection of your own brilliance and passion while hiring out everything that is not at the intersection of your brilliance and passion, but yet is critical to making your business work. And we've also had scenarios where people have come to us and they've been through a number of virtual assistants and it just didn't work out, or they've rolled the dice with an overseas contractor only to find that the language barrier has been too difficult to navigate. So what we want to look at is, is there a way that we can get the headache out of this? Is there a way that we can hire and leverage and scale effectively in such a way that it works well for us, that we get what we need, and we have great mutually beneficial relationships? And I am very excited today to bring on somebody who is immersed in this, somebody who has been working on this for years. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to introduce you to Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is a serial entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He's the founder and CEO of FreeUp.com and the co-founder and COO of Portlight. Now, I'm going to give you briefly Nathan's information, and we're going to have him share in more detail. Nathan started his e-commerce career on the Amazon Marketplace and successfully built a $7 million business within four years. And after seeing the potential of using remote workers within his first business, he founded FreeUp to make the remote hiring experience simpler for all e-commerce business owners. And FreeUp now provides reliable e-commerce workers to hundreds of clients around the world. Nathan is an expert in building efficient systems and processes, sales strategies, and business management, currently living in Orlando, Florida, where, in fact, I recently was for Dream Business Academy. So, Nathan, welcome aboard. Adam, thanks so much for having me. You bet, you bet. And what I'd like to do now is I just read off your official bio, and what I'd like to do for our listeners, especially those who are still taking the opportunity to get to know you, is tell us a little bit more in your own words about your personal journey and what has brought you to the intersection of brilliance and passion where you live today. Yeah, sounds great. So I've had kind of an interesting adventure. Um, I was a broke college student looking for extra beer money, and I ended up building this multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college dorm room. Um, as you can imagine, wow. a frat house running an Amazon business, that's pretty much what, what I went through. Um, <laughs> and, and along the way, 
yeah, and along the way, I made some really great business decisions that have uh, made me be very successful, but I've also made some bad business decisions, most of which were bad hires initially, um, and, and I learned a lot from those. So as I was growing this business in college, and then I, I eventually graduated and moved to Orlando and set up an office, um, which was actually one of my bigger mistakes, um, I, I always had these remote workers because my Amazon business was a, a dropship model, so I was never touching anything. Um, and for those of you that don't know, dropshipping is when you um, sell a product that you don't actually have, and you you essentially get it shipped from your vendor or supplier, um, and they fill it for you. So I had these remote workers. It started off with college students. Um, one of my first hires was Connor Gillivan, who's still my business partner seven years later, so that was awesome. Um, but I also hired a lot of college students who cared a lot more about um, partying than they did my business. And when I graduated um, college and, and I moved down to Florida and opened up an office, I quickly found that when I was paying my salaried employees $40,000, a year, um, it wasn't as efficient as some of the remote workers that I was hiring. So I changed direction of my business. I started investing in remote workers all over the world. A lot of people think remote as outsourcing, but um, I had a lot of U.S. people as well, and it really helped me scale my business, and I learned a lot from the mistakes that I had made early on. So that gave me the idea to start FreeUp.com because I quickly noticed that I was spending 40%, 50% of my time on HR instead of expanding my company, and I wanted to figure out a way to help other business owners um, avoid doing that. So at FreeUp, what's cool about us is we get – um, hundreds of applicants a week, and we pre-vet them for you, and then we allow the top 1% to our network, and we make them available to our clients. So that's kind of how I went from a college student to a, an Amazon seller to a running free up. Wow, that is quite a journey. And you bring up something very interesting that I'd like to explore in a little bit more detail is you know, people do source remote workers, whether it's within the United States or whether it's international, across the globe, across the Atlantic Ocean, whatever it is. And what are you, have you seen above and beyond what you just shared with us and your experiences with your customers at FreeUp? What are some of the biggest challenges that people come to you with uh, that may lead them to have some skepticism or some concerns about working with remote workers? Yeah, I mean, it's the two issues that people have had is they've had a bad experience before with a hire, so it makes them scared um, to hire again. And when you have a bad experience, it almost always comes down to communication. I Very rarely do I get a situation where a worker communicates at a very high level and they still have a bad experience. But I don't care how talented you are. You could be the most skilled Facebook guru in the world. If you can't communicate, it's never going to work out. Um, so that's number one. And then number two is just turnover. Um, either for one reason or another, their workers keep leaving them, they keep investing in the training, um, and turnover just becomes so expensive and so tedious and so frustrating um, that it makes them not want to hire anymore. Yeah, I, you know, I've known people that have been there myself. In fact, I know somebody who was trying to scale her business and this happened about a year ago, she had made several attempts to you know, build a team and multiply herself and stop digging ditches and all that. What would happen is every single time that she would find somebody who finally was fantastic, who knew how to do things according to her company standards, was enthusiastic about doing it, and was just great. They, they listened, they adapted the methodology, and it was just – 
amazing. They finally arrived. What would happen is that person would decide they wanted to, didn't want to do it anymore, or more often they would get hired off full-time by somebody else. And the challenge that my friend was experiencing is she just couldn't afford to hire anybody full-time. And because she couldn't flip and scale her business, uh, she just gave up on it. I mean, literally just shut that part of her business down and wouldn't do it anymore because she got so tired of all the effort she was putting into finding people. And then when she finally got somebody good, they would go full-time for somebody else, but she just couldn't afford it. It's like nobody would cut her a break. What would you say to her? Yeah, so that that particular person is exactly why I created Free Up. So on the front end, um, we make it easy because we do all the applicant, all the screening for you, and whenever you need a worker, we can introduce you to them within a few hours because they're ready to go. Um, and we preach communication. All our workers have to memorize and get tested on 15 pages of our communication guidelines that I wrote based on my experience as a client of what I hate and what I like, um, and it's very synchronized. So. That's on the front end. And then on the back end with turnover, um, we have a great company culture. Just like our clients like it because they save a bunch of time, our workers love being here because we bring them jobs all day. We, we're almost like their agent. Um, and they don't have to go out and apply to job after job. So our turnover rate is very low. Um, and we have a no turnover guarantee. So um, it, it obviously is real life. People can leave jobs. Um, but if our workers quit on our clients for any reason, we cover all retraining costs. We get them a new worker right away and we make sure they never take a step backwards for HR reasons. So that's really my solution to our problem. Wow. See, that, that's pretty cool because in the case of my friend, uh, you know, part of her business was creating membership sites and webinar promotion funnels. And she had a very specific way she liked things done. It was, it was actually a standard she was known in her industry for. And the challenge she had over and over again was, in her words, people half-assing it or just not following her instructions after she took hours to explain it. So what you're saying is that uh, your solution gets between that, and if somebody quits halfway through, you make sure that the new person that comes in gets all of that background so that my friend, like if she was working with you, wouldn't have to go through it for the 28th freaking time this year, which is another phrase that she used. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. I mean, turnover is still going to be annoying no matter what cost that I, right. that I cover. Um, but, but we do everything possible to make it um, as easy as possible to transfer from worker to worker. And we're hands-on along the way. We have lots of advice to train people faster or transition um, from worker to worker. We're going to cover all the training hours, so at least um, you're not going to see it in your bottom line. But there is always going to be some kind of time invested in replacing someone. Right. Now, you do a lot of work with culture, and I've also heard from folks, and this is one of those interviews we do sometimes on Business Creators Radio Show, where the topic is just one of those things that we get so much feedback on, and there's so much discussion about, and so many people ask questions about that it seems like we're relaying thoughts and questions from the audience, which is perfectly fine. This is going to be one of those. And another person uh, has come to me and said that culture is kind of a big deal, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on culture here, but let's start with this. The person finds that when they are working with remote people, people in other countries, other cultures, other places, that conversation breaks down just because of cultural differences. So uh, what have you seen with regards to this, if anything? And if so, how do you overcome that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. It's something that you deal with when you're hiring remote workers, um, and it's something that you get over with practice. Um, I do have tips that I use. I, I have a 20-person um, internal team that's all remote workers. They work incredibly well together. They complement each other very well. The culture is amazing. People love being there, and it's incredibly productive, which is the most important part. Um, and it all does come back down to communication. Um, at the front end, before you let someone into your network um, or onto your team, make sure that they fit the company culture that you're trying to build. If you have a, a very strict sales culture where the only thing that matters is sales, make sure you're recruiting those similar-minded people. If you have a culture like mine that's very much we want your feedback, we want your advice, we want you to bring ideas to the table, um, we're going to treat you well and have a fun experience, but we have incredibly high expectations and goals that we expect you to meet, um, we only want to hire those people. So make sure that you're recruiting and targeting whatever culture that you're working on. Then step two is that um, is, it, is those communication policies and establishing everything up front. We, the first one to two hours that we hire a worker, we're just getting them set up into our system. We're telling them what our company does, what are the goals, how we're doing, who's, here, who's at the company and what they do and who to go to for what, and just making sure they have all the information up front because a lot of times people will hire someone and be like, here's your task, go do it, and that worker has no idea um, how their task contributes to the big picture and they don't care about it and it's not that efficient. And then after that, a lot of it has to do with just treating people well. I see a lot of clients treat remote workers um, pretty poorly, to be honest, just telling them what to do, having no, not caring about them in any way, and not seeing them as an important part of their business, when really they can be the most important part because of how much of a value deal they are. So just eliminating the negativity, that doesn't mean that you can't fire people or change directions or be stern, um, but do it in a way that's respectful, that makes them feel part of the bigger picture. And then on the back end, it is keep people informed. If you're having a good week, let them know. If you have weekly meetings where you're going over everyone's goals so they know what's going on in the company, make them feel part of something, something that's big and something that's growing. Um, and that's all techniques that I use to not only have a great company culture, because that's great on the personal side because it's a fun atmosphere to work in, but also if you just take the emotional element out of it and you just look at it logically, lowering turnover is the best way to save your business money. And anything that you can do to create an environment that people want to stay and want to be a part of and it's hard for them to leave is only going to be better for you as a business owner. Wow, that's pretty good. And I want to highlight something you said, which is the importance of remembering that whether you're dealing with somebody who's right down the street, whether you're dealing with somebody in your own country, or whether you're dealing with somebody on the other side of the world, you're dealing with somebody. Uh, now I'm going to tell you an experience I had in my own life. Years and years ago, before the year 2008, I used to own a web development company. Now let me be clear about something. Uh, I... For years, I was pegged as a quote-unquote web designer. I've never been a web designer. I don't know how to draw a roller with a straight line or even how to get that little cliche right because I just mixed it up right there. Uh, what, we did, now what I did have is I did have a team of people who could design the websites and could provide the virtual assistant services and the update services that went along with that. This was in a different era. So you know, we're talking about how those things kind of worked around 2006, 2007. Now, to expedite the process, because we had a very large client base, to expedite the process, we would have anybody who was interested in working with us fill out an intake form that basically just 
got all the information that we would need up front so that when we got them on the phone, the, question, the, the conversation could be just our questions about what we need to do, followed by here's the agreement, let's sign off and let's get to work, let's get this done. Uh, I had this one person come to me who, uh, rather than fill out the form, uh, he was referred to me by somebody, so rather than fill out the form, he sent this diatribe about, you know, don't hand me this pre-qualification crap, uh, you're here to serve me, so you want my business, you call me tomorrow, otherwise I'll go to Elance because I don't really need to put up with your games, somebody in India will be more than happy to work with you. So uh, <laughs> what the heck causes somebody to have the mindset? to treat anybody like that. First of all, me, as a business owner, to say that my processes don't matter because he's the customer and he can just say and do whatever he wants and he can have his first introduction, I mean, his very first interaction, him screaming at me and telling me that my processes suck and that I owe him something. And second, to indicate up front that he's just looking for somebody to use. So, um, you know, we can talk about how we handle somebody like that, but let's get into... What causes people to feel that way in the first place, aside from the fact that, you know, they may be jerks? Yeah, so I almost divide it into three different types of people. There are the people that might be new to being an entrepreneur, and, and they really do want to learn, um, and, and they just don't know any better. Maybe they've watched a lot of movies with bosses yelling at their employees to get them to work better or stuff like that. Um, and, those, and I consult with a lot of clients like that, kind of showing them the direction, and they just don't know better. Um, then there's kind of group two that they're experienced business owners and they just don't understand how their tone and how their actions get interpreted to um, different people around the world. And I'll, uh, I'll give you an example of that. I have a, a great team of Filipino workers, a bunch of which are female. And one thing that I quickly learned when I was dealing with a Filipino woman is they're incredibly emotional and sensitive, which is the exact opposite of me. So there was a lot of things that I was saying right. that I didn't necessarily mean any harm with. And I was just being incredibly direct because that's the way that I talk. Um, and, and they were slowly taking offense to it. And one of my assistants, who's been my assistant for over five years now, Chicky Ann, um, she just pulled me aside one day and, and pretty much just told me, like, wh how my stuff was being interpreted. And that changed the way I talked to them forever. Um, and it's another reason why I promote feedback um, and bringing ideas to the table and being open in my cultures because that's really the only way to learn. So with those clients, um, a lot of the times I have to be point blank with them. Like I'm like, listen, you can't, you can't talk to my workers like this. Or on a different side, you will get more production. You will make more money if that's the only thing they care about by talking to people in a different tone. Um, and then group three is, like you said, they're the jerks. I don't have a perfect solution for how to handle them. I tell them the facts and how it is um, and kind of let them decide which way they want to go. Well, I have a perfect solution for them, but you probably don't want to hear it. <laughs> but, you, um, but, you, uh, bring, yeah, but you bring up uh, another interesting point here is, and this is kind of where I was going with the cultural thing, is that in different cultures, people react to things in different ways. And, you know, I personally have worked with people in the Philippines. I've worked with people in in whether it's uh, from my own business or because they were supportive. And I've noticed that sometimes you get reactions from folks that just weren't expected. And you reminded me of something is, you know, sometimes when you deliver what you think is just, you know, simple, good feedback about how to make the process better, they take it like you just punch them in the gut. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I, I mean, even to this day, I mean, 
I, I'm a very fast-paced person. I try to get stuff out as quickly as I can just because I'm talking to so many people every day. Uh, and I'm sure stuff can get misinterpreted. But I do try my best to kind of adjust to people's feedback. And I'm actually I'm, – I'm pretty impressed. When I first started Free Up and I had all these clients that were coming to me because their workers were um, quitting and they were having issues – um, they were very open to the feedback that I provided them, and a lot of them are very good long-term customers of free up. They are building great teams. Their businesses have grown at a very high level, um, and they've had incredibly low turnover without even having to use my no turnover guarantee. So it isn't that hard to change. As long as you make an effort, um, the workers can see that. They understand what respect feels like no matter where they live. Right. Yeah, so – I think an advice that we could both jointly give is you may not get it perfect the first time, but at least get, go out there and get it and be open to the feedback you may receive uh, because it could be helpful to you. Uh, another thing I discovered, and this is – I don't know if this is Filipino culture in general or just um, one of the you know, one of the groups because the Philippines has many different ethnic groups and cultures and things like that. It's not a, uh, uh, it's not a homogenous society regardless of what people think. Uh, but I do know that uh, you know, I was dealing with uh, one of my designers who is Filipino, and he just disappeared on me right in the middle of a major project. And it was getting to be Christmas, and uh, there were deadlines on this thing. And this was the type of client where I was really excited about her stuff getting done, if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I mean, I know exactly really what you're getting about at. Her stu- really excited about her stuff getting done and gone. So... All the perfect storm things come up where he just disappears on me, and this is so unlike him because he was normally so conscientious, so punctual, so perfect, and everything else, and he just disappears for like eight days. Then he reappears and acts like nothing happened, and I asked the obvious questions, and it turned out that his niece had been born and had died in infancy, and they have a tradition and their culture, and, that, and, I, and that's why I preface the whole thing about there may be different cultural things, because there may be folks in the Philippines listening to this who may say, no, that's not true. But I'm just telling you, this is what I run into and what I was told, is that they have a culture in, you know, where if that happens, where you have a baby that dies, that the whole family will hold awake for seven days where they'll just sit with each other and pray with each other. And he did that. So his niece died and he went off and he spent seven days at his brother-in-law's house. And it was surprising to him that I questioned that because I guess what I was also discovering is that uh, their culture leaves room for flexibility if stuff like that happens. Where I'm thinking, dude, you could have sent me an email and give me the files at least. I mean, was it such a rush to get over to the wake that you couldn't say, I need to take seven days off because my niece died, and you sent me those, and uh, here are the files in case you need this faster than I can do it. Would that have been such a big deal? Now, you're probably listening to this, Nathan. Nathan, you're probably thinking there are a whole bunch of holes in what I just said. So I'd like you to fill those <laughs> holes now if you can. Yeah, I mean, we have very strict policies. We know that that's an issue. I mean, the number one reason that people hate remote workers is because they're very hard to track down. So we make it very clear when our workers sign up, they have a contract. It's a breach of contract to not inform us if anything goes wrong. Our workers have to respond within 24 business hours. So, I mean, if you are a client of ours and you didn't hear from your worker within 24 hours, you come to us and we have their contact information. We have their emergency contact information. We have multiple ways, multiple people that live by them that – 
that can contact them. And I'm not saying that no one ever disappears because people make bad decisions, um, but you at least have someone responsible for it where we'll cover all costs, get you someone new and get you going, and you're never going to find yourself in a position that you're waiting for eight days. Um, I mean, it, that's the easiest way to get kicked out of our free up network. It, it's so hard to get in. I mean, we get hundreds of applicants a week. Um, we pre-vet them. We have interviews. We have these guidelines. We have the tests. We have strict policies once they're in that focus on exactly what you were just talking about. So our clients never had that experience. And if we have workers that um, my internal team is constantly chasing down or they're not informing clients, even stuff like leaving mid-conversation without saying anything. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're talking to someone via Skype and then all of a sudden they're just gone. I mean, that stuff is just unacceptable yep. at free up, and we hold our our workers to a much higher standard. Yep, uh, had that happen to me as well. And uh, what and the other hole that I left open uh, that I wanted to make sure that we captured is I was making the mistake of I was not controlling access to my files. So I'm the business owner, and I have a contractor over there, and the whole project gets done stymied because he's halfway through the work and he disappears. I can't get a hold of his files. What the heck? So why did I not have a process in place to make sure that if three days went by and I was getting no response, but I had to move on, that I could grab those files and give them to somebody else? Oops. Yeah, I mean, my whole process is essentially taking every bad experience I've had from the past seven years and making it so that it cannot possibly happen for my clients with any reason without a really good contingency plan that doesn't leave the client hanging. And that's really what we're focused on. And and I, th I mean, whenever you start a company, you never know what kind of feedback you've been getting. But, I mean, we've been fortunate enough that the feedback's been overwhelmingly positive because they, our clients don't have to chase down our workers. They, they are protected. They, our workers have strong communication. Our workers care about the client's businesses and actually put their all into it on a day-to-day -day basis because that's what's expected out of them to stay into the network. So it's kind of a cool, fun thing we've created to solve the same problems that we've been talking about. Right. Yeah, that's, and, and, that's, and that's also uh, very good to know. So, uh, so I, I imagine you, do you also recommend project management software because you know, we might use things like uh, Basecamp and, and Teamwork, things like that. Is that something that you recommend using with remote workers as well? I do. Um, with us, I mean, all workers will communicate with you and use whatever software you want. Usually it's client-specific. I personally like Jira um, only because the biggest communication gaps I still find are with my development team because they speak a whole different language no matter where they are in the world. Um, and I find that uh -huh. Jira, for whatever reason, does a really good job of organizing developers, which is something that I struggled with for years. Um, and then it also applies to other things like building websites and managing your day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but that's something that I was recently turned on to a few months ago, and it's really made a huge difference. Okay. Yeah, that, that's really good. So, so, Nathan, we're about halfway through here, and this is turning out to be very interesting, and it's even getting me to start thinking ways a little bit differently here. Uh, I'm going to ask a few more questions that if you've come up in conversations with some of my own audience and people who have expressed interest in working with remote workers and conversations with the Business Creators Institute and the Business Creators Radio Show, uh, you know, one of which is people ask about, and this is going to be a, a tough question, and I, I just want to put this out there. Uh, we've had people ask about the ethics of outsourcing. 
anything. Has anybody ever come to you and say that they have ethical quandaries about outsourcing to another part of the globe? Um, yes, but it, I think I guess my biggest rebuttal for it is I'm not the Walmart of workers. I don't offer workers for one to two dollars an hour. My workers are the minimum are five dollars an hour, which is a really good pay for their cost of living. And I have some Filipino workers that charge twenty bucks an hour, and they're incredibly talented and skilled. So. I mean, I, I totally see their point. It's a very valid argument. Um, I guess my counter-argument would also be that we're all people on this planet, and they're, they're looking to provide for their families um, just like you are. Um, but we're also not an outsourcing company. We have plenty of U.S. workers as well. I mean, for every skill set, we have a U.S. option and a non-U.S. option. Some clients can't afford to hire the U.S. option. To hire a bookkeeper in the U.S. is very expensive, and, and it's something that might prevent someone from expanding or growing their business. So there's no perfect solution. There, there's pros and cons of everything. Um, I, I try to treat it as fairly and as openly and as transparent as I possibly can. Right. And, you know, what, what really interests me is what you just said there is you say you have a U.S. and a non-U.S. option for everything you do, and I think that's going to make – I think that's a whole different line of thinking uh, versus what we see with a lot of other outsourcing and remote work type companies, and especially with what we have, uh, some of the trends we're seeing in the world. Uh, we're seeing, a, in, at least in some places and with some folks, a move away from globalism and more towards uh, you know, moving closer to the people in your own backyard. So I find it very interesting that your company has seemed to cover that. Uh, whether they want to work specifically with somebody within their own country, they want to work with somebody halfway across the world, you can solve that for them. And I think that's great. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it's also kind of funny because I, I'll have some people that are like, hey, I want your most talented non-U.S. person, and I'll introduce them to someone that's 30 bucks an hour or 40 bucks an hour, and they're like, whoa, why? I thought I was like outsourcing. I thought I was paying less. But then they see that person's talent, and they realize – that they're just as good or they can go up against or sometimes they might even be better than that U.S. counterpart. Um, and, yeah, a lot of times they're a fractional um, bit less. Um, but, I mean, every place in the world has a different cost of living. So th there's a lot of factors that you just can't control that go into it. Yeah, you said you, said you went exactly where I was hoping you would, which is there are factors you just – can't control. And you know, my response to a question like that would be, I have an ethical quandary about paying somebody $7 an hour, is so right now the situation is that's the going rate, $7 an hour. Would you rather them get $0 an hour? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I actually had someone um, post to me on Facebook telling me that I was disrupting the market because I was I was charging five bucks an hour as like a minimum where a lot of people pay Filipinos like one, two or three bucks an hour. And I was like, you know what? Like the people I'm not looking for those one to $2 an hour. I get the applications all the time, but I mean, I'm, I want people to get paid what they're worth. I want people to have a, a good living. If they've spent the time and the effort and the years working for other companies and training and mastering a skill, I want them to get a fair market rate. That's even below the U S rate. To me, that's more than reasonable, and I'm almost happy to disrupt that market. Okay, I, I love hear I love hearing that because I think that anybody getting paid a dollar an hour is just absolutely wrong, and I won't participate in it. I don't care if that means that I get a whole day's work for less than the cost of lunch. I, it doesn't matter to me. That's just that's just absolutely wrong. And we have professionals out there who are 
who have taken the time to master their craft and who are dedicated and focused, you really want to make sure that they're adequately compensated and feel like what they're doing is valuable. I think that's very important, and I've got to give you a lot of credit for uh, taking that very seriously. So what are some lesser-known tips, some lesser-known tips for using remote yeah, hiring so, to scale your online business? Sure. So, And it kind of goes off that point, too. A lot of the times, cheap is expensive. Um, if you're, if you're yeah. low-balling people, if, you, if someone comes to you, and I see this all the time, um, they'll, they'll come to you and be like, hey, my hourly rate is 7 bucks an hour. And, and the, the client or whoever it is um, sees a little bit of a desperate tone or a little desperate tone when talking to them, and they're like, you know what, I'll give you 5 bucks an hour. And you know what, they get this great deal, and the worker starts, but the second they get another offer for 7 or more, that worker is out of there. And we've already talked about how expensive and frustrating turnover is. So for, for me, if you're really committed to building a remote team, and not having turnover and making a place that people want to um, want to stay and want to grow. Pay people what they want. Don't lowball them. If if your budget's only five bucks an hour, find someone else that's five bucks an hour. Uh, they're just going to leave you. It's going to cost you more in the long run to train and retrain people. Um, so that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people making. All right. Uh, going along with that, when I tell people how much my web designer charges for her work. They think I'm on drugs for paying that amount. Let's just say it's a three-digit number and leave it at that. I mean, we're talking super expensive. But here's what I also get. Um, I typically only have to explain things once. Uh, she's used to the way that I like things done, so there's no learning curve. There's a shorthand already in place. Uh, she'll take the time to innovate and figure things out. Uh, if I find myself short on being able to explain what I want, she has this magical ability to, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say read my mind, but to anticipate me. And I tend to get extremely fast turnaround, like lightning fast turnaround. So it's a case of you get what you pay for. So you can yeah. say, well, I'm paying somebody $10 an hour, but if it takes them 10 hours to do something that my $100 an hour person took one hour to do, isn't that the same? I agree, and I'll even take it a step further. My internal team, their pay goes up as the company does better. Um, and don't ask for your worker. Don't wait for your workers to ask for raises. If someone is doing a really good job, and I'm not talking about every position because there are a lot of positions that are replaceable, um, but there are also people in your company that are high value, people that it would really suck if they walked out the door tomorrow. Treat them well. Give them raises, bonuses. Ask them if they're happy there. Um, see what concerns or what feedback they have for you. Treat them as if you want them to stay because they are really valuable, and a lot of times you need them more than they need you. Um, so, And a lot of people don't think of it that way. They're like, oh, I'm getting a great deal. I'll, I'll wait for her to come to me for a raise. And by the time that happens, it's too late because the respect is, isn't there. So when you find someone you like, and it sounds like you really like your developer, treat them well so that they'll stay. Yeah, I I, I I tell people the amounts I pay her, and they and they and, they, and, they, and I, I either get told that I'm on on drugs, uh, I'm told that they are seriously considering um, having an intervention done with me because I must be mentally imbalanced, or that she's ripping me off somehow, and I don't feel that way at all. In fact, I feel that it's a bargain. So it's just a matter of mindset. Agreed. Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something? 
No, I was just going to say I agree with you 100%. I oh. wish more people had that mindset, but I think that once people – a lot of people have had such bad hiring experiences that they're they're kind of skeptical to invest back into their company, and you, you just got to do it. There, there's no – there's no one in the world that just creates a huge business all by themselves. You have to do it with help, and you have to do it with hiring people that have skills that you don't necessarily have. Yeah, that's all. That's also very, very true. So uh, we have about 20 minutes left here. The time is really going by quickly here, which is exciting. And uh, you asked me in the green room to um, give you an opportunity to give to explain the distinction between the hands-on way to finding remote workers versus job boards. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that, and perhaps it may be repetitive of something you just said, and if that's the case, it will really drive the point home. But also if it's something new, I think that's what we also want to have make sure that people get, is there is a difference between just finding remote workers and using job boards hands-on. Definitely. So. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there. There's lots of different remote hiring sites, freelancer.com, Upwork, Monster, whatever it is, but they all work fundamentally the same way. You post a job, you get a lot of applicants, and then you spend the time going through as many as you want, um, hoping you didn't miss any, um, setting up interviews, and then uh, picking who you want to hire. Um, and a lot of the times, if you make a bad hire, it can really hurt your company or waste your time. And if you make a good hire, and like we've been talking about, and that person quits, you're right back where you started spending all that time. So with FreeUp, we do it differently. We get hundreds of applicants a week. We have a great team that I've trained myself um, going through applicants, going through a rigorous interview process. Um, and we have those 15 pages of communication guidelines that our workers have to memorize and get tested on. So once the top 1% of the workers get into our network, they, they become first come, first serve to all of our clients. So our clients love it because it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fees. And whenever you need a worker, you click a button in your account. It'll ask you a few questions so we know exactly what you want. If you say, hey, I need someone to work from 12 to 2 on Saturday, we're only introducing you to someone that can do that. Um, and we introduce you to one worker. And you're welcome to interview them quickly. A lot of people come to us because they don't want to interview at all or they've used us before. And you can just get right to work, and it saves you a lot of time. And we offer workers from 5 to $50 an hour um, both U.S. and non-U.S. for every position, like I mentioned. And then we are hands-on along the way. If, we, if you have concerns, if your worker isn't showing up, or um, if you really any issue comes up at all, you always have me and the internal team to back you up and make sure that you're, you're having a good experience. And then we have the no turnover guarantee as well. So that's really how we're um, differentiating ourselves from the job boards. Right. Okay. So here's another flip question. This was submitted by one of our – one of our weekly listeners, actually, is we understand that FreeUp.com, which is your platform, is a way for the business owners to get highly qualified and effective help and leverage their own brilliance and passion. Uh, now, can that platform also be used if you are, like, let's say the person is a virtual assistant and they're looking for clients? Uh, is your platform work for that? Or does your platform look along more along the lines of hiring employees? So how does that work? No, I mean, we're always looking for great applicants, great talent. Um, I don't personally handle that side of it because I try to keep it unbiased, but you can apply right on the website. Um, it, it's not a place for newbies. If you've never done freelancing before, if you've never had a client before, um, we're definitely not the place. We're looking for people that have experience, that are the best of the best at whatever they do, um, that are looking to grow and, and join a team long-term, 
with a great company culture and really give it everything they have for our clients. And uh, if you have that and you're committed to that and it's, that's something that excites you, um, then we want you in, and you should definitely apply on the website. Okay, yeah. So so if if somebody was a virtual assistant or somebody was a web designer or they were a social media manager or maybe even a copywriter, I'm not sure exactly what the full range of your services is. I'm sure it's available on your website. Uh, you know, your platform can be viewed as an opportunity for them to find more work opportunities or more client opportunities. So really what's happening is by working with you, they'd be working with an agency that does all the work of connecting them with clients. It's not just a job board that connects them and uh, allows them to search for client opportunities, is what you're saying. Yeah, we're more of like an organized marketplace than we are an agency because it's still between you and uh-huh. the worker um, if you're the business owner. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you can join – if you have outside clients, you can join free up. You can keep your outside clients. You don't have to drop them. You don't have to work exclusively for us. If you're in our network and for whatever reason you don't get a job for a few days, you're welcome to still apply for outside jobs and get outside clients as long as you communicate with us and you don't drop our clients. Um, we're fine with that. So we're really just building a marketplace of the best of the best, of people that value communication at a high level and that want to do good work for our clients. See, I love that. You call it an organized marketplace, which is different than a job board or different than an agency or different than an outsourcing firm with a lot of people working for it. So uh, what you're saying basically is the actual business relationship is between Although the actual business relationship in terms of the money is between your platform and the client, and then separately between the worker and you, if I'm getting that correct, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's still between the client and the person doing the work for them to handle the relationship pieces of it, except when they need you to intervene. Is that about right? Yep. We hand the worker off to the client. The client, if they want to hire them, the worker's theirs. We only hear from the client if they have any concerns or questions, if they have any feedback. Um, or compliments, or if they want to request another worker. It's really that simple. Okay. Great, great, great. So what I'd like to do in in our last little bit of time here together is I'd like to go a little bit beyond your platform, and I'd like to get into some larger issues of how we work with people who we're outsourcing to or, uh, or who are becoming part of our team, and I'd like to get your thoughts on a few things that have been uh, on my mind for a while and have frequently come up in conversation. One of them is uh, you, know, you have web designers, you have virtual assistants, you have uh, people who can do email copywriting, for instance, or can manage social media accounts. And the challenge is, is that they can become perceived as a dime a dozen or a commodity. So from the perspective of the person who is that service provider or resource provider, how can they differentiate themselves and not be seen as just another blank? Yeah, it's a great question, and it, it all comes down to how you value yourself. And, I mean, I don't set the market, you don't set the market, um, but if we're just being honest, there are certain positions that are in um, more demand than others, and there are certain people that might struggle to find work because their rate might be higher than the market rate when maybe their talent and their skill set doesn't match up to that, um, and, and vice versa. So the first thing that I would do is identify where you actually stand in the market. If you're just a regular VA that – um, that just does like calendar organizing and stuff like that, are you priced on the low end or are you priced on the high end? And same thing for every position. So really knowing where you stand um, 
in terms of the market will help you uh, talk to clients and figure out how you're going to get a job and use that leverage appropriately. Um, if you're someone that might be on the lower end, maybe you get to get more opportunities and you get to be like, hey, give me a chance. Let me let me compete against the big guys and see um, see if I can give you a better value deal. If you're on the expensive end, it's more like, you know what, this is what I bring to the table. And not take it or leave it, but in order to get my skill set, you have to pay the premium for it. And, and really identifying where you are. And I mean, I, we interview workers all the time that are completely, they completely don't understand where their market value lies. And we'll be honest with them in a very respectful way um, and really tell them. So I think that's step one. And then and step two is what are you doing outside of your skill set? That, that is bringing something to the table. We mentioned communication. And if you're charging top dollar, I'm expecting not only do you bring the top skill to the table, I'm expecting top communication. I'm expecting you to go above and beyond. I'm expecting to only tell you things once. Whereas if I'm getting a higher value deal and maybe I'm paying way under market for that skill set, I'll be a little bit more lenient as the employer to repeat myself or provide extra training or discuss, hey, these are the communication policies. You haven't been following them. Here's your second chance. Um, so I think those are the, the two things besides spending the time to really hone your skills and improve. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think that's good advice for everybody. And I like what you said at the very beginning of that, which is a, you know, it has to do with how you perceive yourself and how you appreciate your own value. Because if you don't, it's just like they say, if you, can't, if you don't love yourself, how can others love you? It's if you can't appreciate and articulate your own value, how are you going to get others to say it? So it's great to you know, go on, uh, you know, get a coach and have them say, you need to raise your rates. So you jack up your rates. And then you have to have that conversation with your clients who are going to want to leave you of, hey, what have you done for me lately? Or what am I really getting with you that's so special that I can't just replace you with somebody who's charging me what you were charging before? And in order to be able to answer that question, you have to know yourself and know your value. So I want to Agreed. thank you for bringing that up for us. And, and that's a million-dollar question is how replaceable are you? Are you irreplaceable? Are you somewhere in the middle? Or if the second someone finds someone to do your job cheaper than you, would it make sense to replace you from a business standpoint? And, and that's really what you have to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's I think that's very very important. Um, the other thing that I would the other thing that I would ask is going along with the idea of understanding, you know, your own value. Uh, let's say that somebody I, I want to get your thoughts on something here. Uh, maybe you're going to contradict what I have to say. Maybe you have a view that I've never heard before. My listeners have never heard, but. You get a lot of folks who are contractors, who are virtual assistants, who run to those types of services, and somebody will come to them and say, hey, um, how about uh, you give me a discount on our services here, and let's do a trial project, and if it works out really well, I'll introduce you to my entire mastermind, and I guarantee you clients. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on, on where you are in your career. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a freelancer and I'm just getting in and maybe I haven't had that many clients or I'm struggling to find clients, it's almost like, what do I have to lose? Like, yeah, I might not be getting paid top dollar, but 
assuming this person is a man of their word, it might be worth those connections. And it only takes one or two big clients to fill you up with work. If they do introduce you to the mastermind group, it could be huge potential. But you also have to look at it. I, there are a lot of clients that go out there and they're like, oh, we'll, we'll start you at $2 an hour, but if you do really well, we'll, we'll increase you later. But it's very vague. They don't give any, what do you have to hit? What do you have to do? What, what is your pay is going to be later? So I, I would more try to make it into a deal form, make it so that you know exactly what is expected and what you have to do, how many people they're going to introduce you to, how are you going to advertise to those people? Are you going out on a newsletter? Are you actually going to be able to meet them in person? Are they going to personally introduce you to someone via email? Um, so if I'm looking at almost as a business from the freelancer side, that, that's the stuff that I care about. That is very interesting. Uh, and this is something that I've never heard before myself, which is if somebody's going to make you that type of promise and want you to buy into it, then how about some specifics? So what is the goal? What do I have to achieve and what am I going to get in return? So I, I would even take that so far as to say, oh, you're guaranteeing me clients. Well, where, where are the clients? Let me see them now. I, 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 know, I know one person, he's a listener of the Business Creators Radio Show, who gets these offers all the time that says, hey, and really it's just it's a, it's, a, it's a marketing pitch to get him to buy some program. But what they say is, hey, you know, I got this new client for you, and I was wondering if we could talk for a minute. And, uh, and his answer to that is, why don't you introduce me to the new client? If I like him, maybe I'll buy your stuff. So easy way to flip that around. Uh, Definitely. But you did um, no gray area. Yeah, you did give some interesting perspective on that whole thing, which is, you know, where are you in your business? Because maybe that thing that somebody who's more seasoned may hear and think of as an insult, that up-and-comer may look at and say, hey, this could be my, this could be my ship coming in. So – that's a very interesting concept, and thank you very much for, thank you very much for sharing that. So, uh, let's say somebody is – this is another question we get. Somebody is um, at the point where they're trying to break through into a higher level of service. So let's say we have somebody who's currently, uh, uh, you know, currently a web designer, and they want to move on to becoming an Internet marketing strategist. Or let's say we have somebody who's a social media manager – who wants to move on and become a, uh, a high-level copywriter. What do you do to convince the market that you've moved on? Because what we see happen with a lot of these is even you know, while they're trying to move on to the new thing, people keep asking them about the old thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. It is tough. It is tough to switch career paths. I, I might not be the best person to answer it, only because I've been an entrepreneur since I've I've been 20. I haven't worked for that many other people. I've never been a freelancer. If I was to approach being a freelancer from uh, from my knowledge, I would. If I'm going into something new, I would offer those free trials. I would try to get it in into great company. I mean, I'm just thinking about how busy I am on a day to day basis. If I constantly have newbies being like, "Hire me, hire me, hire me," I don't care how cheap they are. I really just don't have time for the trial and error. But if someone, and this actually right. happened recently, so someone was like. Hey, like I'll do I'll do a month's work of designs for free for you, and that was an outlier. That was an extreme, but it's a deal that it's hard for me to say no to that. I'm definitely going to give them a chance. And if I'm an honest guy, if I like them and I have a need for it, like I'm 
totally down to hire them. So it, it, it might take some creative thinking. It might take some free hours to get, get your in if you are switching careers or trying to get on something on the first time. Right. So that, that's also very good. Let me give you an example. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had somebody, this is another one of our listeners, and uh, she was looking to make the first transition. She had been a web designer for 14 years. And she now wanted to be a consult, a marketing consultant based on, you know, the 14 years of experience that she had seeing what her clients were doing and supporting that. And also from a couple of clients who had already given her the chance to spread her wings and she had done very well with it. So here's the situation. She goes to a, con- she goes to a conference, right? A uh, hundred people in a room. And the person speaking on stage is one of her previous clients. And this person they're doing her a favor by pointing her out and saying, oh, oh, look at that. There's my designer, even though that person hadn't done design work for that client for three years. And this person's going up there commending this person for doing things like, uh, oh, yeah, when I needed her to, to edit text on my web page, she did it in 12 hours, and she helped me enter business cards into my system, which she didn't even do. So this person went to that conference because this was going to be the one where they broke out as an Internet marketing strategist, and they had to spend three flipping days listening to people say, hey, can you do my squeeze page for me? Or, uh, hey, I, I, uh, I was wondering, uh, do you do WordPress? And when this person tried to have conversations about, uh, you know, designing grand marketing strategies and creating entire funnels, they, they would get remarks like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have a consultant for that. I need somebody to build a squeeze page. Is that you? <laughs> you, you see what I mean? I, I'm not even sure you have an answer for that one because – a lot of people don't. That's a tough situation. I, so I'm asking you because of your expertise, if maybe you have something along those lines that somebody at least think about if they find themselves thrown in such a public situation. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know if I have a great answer. Um, <laughs> I try. It's tough for me to judge other people on how they go about it because I'm sure I don't have all the information. You never really have the right. entire background. Um, I mean, I have people all the time that are asking for referrals or um, different clients, and, and I'll, I'm trying to be as honest and as transparent as possible. I'm obviously going to give workers away that are right new in my network, and when I do, I try to give the client a discounted rate. I'm like, hey, this guy's new. We've, we've ended it. He seems great, but he's new to our network. If you, if you want someone more expensive that's been here a while, I'm happy to do it. And, and that's usually a good way to just approach business and life in general. I, I try to stay stay away from lying for other people to help them. But with that said, I will do whatever it takes to help them succeed and have a good life and provide for their families and get the job and career that they want um, within reason. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think that, and I think that's good for everybody to think about. So I just wanted to throw that out there because that's a, um, you know, that's a very tough situation for people to be in when they're trying to transition from one thing to the other. And uh, it's a final question because we actually are near the top of the hour here is, uh, does working with your company give people that opportunity to spread their wings? So it gives them a track record of doing the higher level thing that they wanted to that they wanted to do. It does to an extent. If you're someone who's a graphic designer and maybe your your skill level is a seven or an eight, we can help you get to a nine or a ten. But if you come to us as a graphic designer and one day you come to us and you're like, I want to do writing for your clients, but you've never done it before, we're we're not the marketplace for. Um, new freelancers. We're not a place to test the skills on our clients. I mean, our, our clients expect that we're, we're providing them someone with years of experience. So it, it's really, we're just not the place for it. There are plenty of other 
places that are. And if you go out and you get lots of work, maybe maybe if you want to um, provide a sample that you've done for other clients and references you did work for, um, like six months later, like we're all ears. We want to help you. If you can make our clients happy at the end of the day, that's what's most important. So. Uh, we're probably not the best place to go if you want to switch career over and over, um, but within reason, and if you put the time and effort, um, we can definitely get clients for you. Okay. Um, listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show know sometimes I can be elliptical, and I can ask a few things at random that actually come together and end up making a major point. I asked you that question because I wanted our listeners to hear from a prospective employer or a prospective uh, resources perspective how they would answer that question. Thank you for doing that. So I wanted people to see the real-time example. So uh, no I'd also remember I asked earlier, uh, you know, is it worth it to uh, take a discount or to do one of those do well for me and I'll help you with my industry type opportunities? And you said it depends, and we had a great conversation there. And then we also, a little bit earlier, had a little bit of a, a conversation about um, standing out in the marketplace you know, what you believe in, and making sure that if you're telling people you have value, that you yourself believe you have value. So when you put those three things together, those are three key ingredients you need if you want to advance to a higher level of serving clients and persuading those clients that it's worth it for them to come along with you for the ride. So, Nathan, I kind of want to thank you for uh, playing along with me there because I had kind of a motive, and, uh, you know, it's like I set up the pins and you rolled a strike. <laughs> Glad it worked out. All right, so uh, we have just two minutes left here, and I want to give one of those minutes to you. Just tell our listeners, uh, if they're ready to take things to the next level, based on what we discussed, how can you help our business creators? Definitely. So we have great white-label services, great freelancers um, available to you. You can go right to freeup.com. You can book a meeting right with me right on the website. You can check out our freeup blog. It's all about um, not only e-commerce and online businesses, but hiring, managing, building company culture with remote workers. You can join our online hiring mastermind group, which, again, we're, we're trying to give tips and helpful advice and real-life stuff. A lot of times I'll post what I do with my internal team on a week-to-week basis and how I manage them and, and what problems and situations come up. So that's kind of cool. Um, and if you've ever hired someone remote before, if you've ever had a bad experience, I want to talk to you. I want to hear about it. I want to go over your concerns and how we can ease them. Um, and we're really looking to shake up the freelance marketplace. And I feel like we already have to a little extent. All right. Well, Nathan Hirsch, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor and an education. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.